Welcome to 77, a sports podcast where an incredible intramural basketball player and an 18-year-old golf cart tycoon drop the filthiest takes on the Portland Trailblazers and Northwest sports. Now, here are your hosts, Dak and Lane. Three wins the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. What up, Pacific Northwest? We are your hosts, Dak and Lane. This is 77 Pod. Welcome to the pod. We are the hottest new Portland Trailblazers and Pacific Northwest pod on the block. I am And Lane. I'm Dak, and I'm glad you guys are listening here today. Uh, we'll be recapping the last few games in the NBA bubble for the Portland Trailblazers, as well as talking about the Lakers uh, game and the big win on Tuesday. Right, so let's just get right into it, Dak. We, the last time we spoke, or the last time we were together uh, with all of our great listeners, the Trailblazers had just defeated the Houston Rockets uh, 110 to 102. That was a huge win, obviously. From that point on, the Blazers then conquered the Denver Nuggets. They lost a close nail biter to the Clippers 122 to 117. They won a huge nail biter against the 76ers, uh, and then another nail biter against the Mavs. Then they eked out. Basically, the theme here is the last like three to four, you could say five Trailblazers games have been eked out in the final minutes, with the Blazers overcoming the Nets 134 to 133, and then the playing game against the Grizzlies 126 to 122. Dak, before we get into each game a little bit, I just want to know. What have your emotions been like watching all these close games as of late? Yeah, so here's my mindset. The first half is always great. You know, we play we play great first half. And then I expect a terrible third quarter. And it's kind of funny. I talk to people and they're like, why aren't you freaking out? Why aren't you freaking out? I said, Blazers haven't played a good third quarter for a very long time. Well, they played a good one uh, against the Lakers, but we're talking previously. And so the Blazers haven't played a good third quarter so I don't freak out because it's kind of like it's a system. Blazers usually play a good first half, take the third quarter off, and then it's either Dame time or CJ McCollum time. And, you know, it's it's kind of magical how how they just respond, have a terrible third quarter, and then a good fourth quarter and pull it off. Right. And to that point, it is, if you think about it, it actually is pretty remarkable how this team continues to win games against different opponents night in and night out in the same fashion. Like you're saying, they usually go up first quarter, they come out of out guns blazing, always playing well. Uh, and then second quarter, usually not bad as well, but they kind of let the team creep back in. Third quarter, terrible. And then fourth quarter, they come roaring back and eke out a win. So, 
that's pretty incredible that that has become kind of a habit for this team. So at the end of the day, you know, it's hard to find things to complain about when you're winning basketball games at a high rate uh, like the Portland Trailblazers. Now, Dak, I want to dive in a little bit closer into the game versus the Los Angeles Clippers on the 8th. I know this was a while back, but for many Blazer fans, this is a game that got a a lot of feathers ruffled, I should say, in different ways. The Blazers end up losing 122 to 117. If you remember, this is the game where down the stretch, uh, Damian Lillard had a chance to take the lead in the final seconds and missed two clutch free throws. Uh, and then, you know, the, the Clippers go down. Basically, they the Blazers have to foul after that. The Clippers make the shot, make their shots, and that's the game. Uh, but Dame, during this, or I should say after this, was basically taunted in person and on social media by a couple members of the Los Angeles Clippers, Paul George and Pat Beverly, having some choice words for Lillard on social media. Lillard then responding, basically calling out Paul George, saying that he is, quote-unquote, afraid of the grind and always running uh, and switching. T- he called both of them chumps. Dak, you know, I'm not a big social media beef kind of guy, but what was your initial reaction when you started seeing all this happening in the NBA bubble? And keep in mind, all of these it's all of these guys are staying in the same hotels, right? So it's not like, you know, they're in different cities talking to each other now. They're basically right across the hall from each other and they're they're basically uh, you know, having a Twitter Twitter war, if you will. Yeah, it's crazy uh to fight the um attack from them. And here's why. They had nothing to prove um, on the floor. They both didn't play, so they had to attack Dame over social media. And Dame handled it very well. He um, told them that he has sent them both home. Um, he sent Pat Bev home when uh, he hit his point nine shot, and he waved goodbye to Paul George after his uh, big shot against the Thunder last year. So he had really um, great, I guess, evidence to shut them up real quick. And um, they were kind of, you know, speechless after that. They didn't have much to say after Dame said that, you know, Paul George runs from the grind. And that's true. Um, back in yeah. back when he played for Indiana was the closest thing uh, to grinding it out. But other than that, you know, he hasn't really. He's gone to OKC. He's gone to uh, – he's now in the for the Clippers. And he always has had a, a running mate like Russell Westbrook or uh, Kawhi Leonard. He's never done it himself like Damian Lord. Right. And so, you know, I, I like the response by Dame as well. Uh, I think it was appropriate. I don't think it was over the top. Uh, and, and like you said, there was some truth in it as well. I will say this, uh, those shots misses by Dame. Remember, this was a primetime game, I believe aired on TNT. So most of the world was watching, or I should say the sports world was watching at this time. He also drew the ire of one Skip Bayless, uh, who basically went on a series of basically what I would say like a rabid dog series of tweets, basically attacking Dame, saying he's not clutch, you know, saying that Dame time doesn't exist, all these things. Uh, And you really saw that it kind of bothered Dame. Dame was, you know, obviously he responded to Skip. He basically said, hey. Like, even after our private conversation that apparently took place where Dame and Skip were on the phone with each other, you know, after all that, and you were backpedaling and saying all these things, like going back on what you said about me, 
I still have no respect for you. And so that was interesting to see as well as Dame kind of got in the national spotlight with one of the, you know, I, I'm not going to say he's one of the more correct sports opinions out there, but he definitely is a popular sports opinion. He does have a big following of people, whether you like him or hate him. Uh, people do pay attention to what Skip Bayless says and, 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 you know, either to argue with it or whatever. So what did you make of Dame and Skip kind of going at it a little bit? Yeah, Skip has been like this for a while, um, and I I like Dame's response. Um, Skip Bayless, you know, had a private conversation, like you said, and he backpedaled the whole conversation, and Dame kind of gave him a second chance here, and he blew it for himself. So I think I I don't think Skip Bayless obviously has he doesn't have Dame's respect, and you know it's kind of hard. You know, I'm a huge Blazers fan, so it's easy, but. It would be very hard to dislike Damian Lillard, even from an outsider, because he has built, he has ran with this franchise. He's never complained publicly. He's always grinded it out from a mid-major Weaver State. He's just, you know, he's a grinder. So it, it's kind of hard for me to disrespect Damian if he's a Portland Trailblazer or if he's an L.A. Laker. That's kind of, you know, that's disrespectful to, you know – be you know call out someone uh someone like that so um that's my take on it game is you know he's a grinder so right and i think the big thing to take away that i took away from this was i was wondering how dame would respond after you know you have a couple guys on the other team on the clippers going after him and then you also have a national media guy basically saying that he's unclutch he does not you know he's not one of the top tier players in this league and I, w- I think it's safe to say in the coming games after that, we saw the appropriate response from Damian Lillard in the next game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Basically, uh, you could argue in a must-win situation for the Portland Trailblazers, Dame goes out, drops 51 points, basically wills his team to a victory here in the, in the final minutes, dropping a four-point play at one point. He was an absolute stud in that game. And it really... It really carried over into the games after that as well. If you remember the Dallas Mavericks game as well, he actually bested the 51 points and tied his career high at 61 points, uh, which is absolutely insane. And you remember in that game, he had the shot where the shot clock was winding down and he took a three and it bounced all the way out of my TV screen up high and then fell right through. So that was insane. Uh, And then you also had the Brooklyn Nets game, a huge must win as well, where he put up 42 uh, so rounding out the bubble games, I think it's safe to say that Skip kind of little lit a fire under Dame uh, going forward. Yeah, between Skip and those two uh, players from the Clippers, Pat Bev and Paul George, you know they they pissed Damian off enough. Uh, they pissed him off enough to go, you know, sh- prove them wrong, prove them that you know we already knew they were wrong, but prove them that they're complete fools. And that's what he did. He went out there. He's like, man, I'm from the Portland Trailblazers, and I'm going to go show you what's up. And that's what he did. Um, he put his team on his back. And if, if 61 or 51 or 42 isn't carrying the team, I don't know what is. Right. No, you're so true. And this is something I want to address because I've seen this online. I've seen this on Twitter. People are talking about this. And at first I kind of dismissed it and said that it was, it was like, there was no validity to it. But now the more that I think about it, 
it kind of makes sense in my mind. So if you know anything about Skip Bayless, if you don't know anything about him, I should say, I will tell you one thing. He is one of the most notorious anti-LeBron kind of sports commenters or sports give sports takes that are very anti-LeBron, right? He is so anti-LeBron. Would you agree with that? Yes, he's big, big. He hates LeBron. He, He finds ways to make almost every single tweet or every single show on Undisputed with him and Shannon Sharp. Any segment he's in, he'll find a way to trace it back to LeBron. And basically saying that LeBron is not as good as everyone thinks he is, that he's not the the GOAT, right? He shouldn't be in the GOAT conversation. So the theory that I wanted to say was people were saying, well, you know, Skip is just actually doing this because he wants the Blazers to make the playoffs. And he wants Dame to be super motivated to basically beat the Lakers in the first round. And then that way he can use it against LeBron. What do you think of that theory? Yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a big uh, theory guy, but I I think that um, isn't a good one in my mind. Here's why: he did it in the regular season as well. He, you know, before this bubble, he he would disrespect Dame, and after Dame's phone call, he let it go on for a while, and then he heard enough and snapped back at him. So I I think uh, Skip Bayless just doesn't have an eye for talent. He he, you know, if you don't respect LeBron James, I don't you know, big Blazer fan. Don't forget it. But when LeBron James is going downhill, he's a freight train you can't stop. That's one of, you know, Curry and Dame shooting the three ball and LeBron James dribbling downhill towards the basket. It's unstoppable. He's one of the greatest. I think he's number three or four all-time scoring scoring list. So, you know, he's a, he's a hell of a player. Right. And Skip Bayless, you know, obviously I think he's a clown, but I actually do think there's some validity to this. He's put himself now in a situation where he hates basically LeBron and Dame. And so either way, whoever wins this series, he's going to have ammunition to use on the other guys. So honestly, you know, as much as I dislike it and I dislike him, smart move by Skip. He's basically playing the field here, moving the goalposts either way. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty hilarious to watch him have these meltdowns on Twitter after games. Um, one thing we should note before we talk about the Blazer Laker game is the play in game against Memphis where the Blazers won 126, 122. Obviously Dame had a nice game, CJ as well, but Yusuf Nurkic, our guy Nurk, uh, basically he, without a doubt playing, playing the same day of the passing of his grandmother from COVID-19. Nurk said after the game that he didn't want to play, but he felt like she would have wanted him to play, that she made him play. He plays, and what does he do? He goes out and drops 22 points and 21 rebounds with six assists in 41 minutes of action. What? Wow. What did you see from Nurk in that game that you really liked? Yeah, so what people don't don't understand about that is he, was going, he knew his grandma wasn't uh, doing too well, but – he, he was on his way to the game, on the team bus, when he gets the phone call. You know, most people don't have the strength, uh, the emotional strength, to play a basketball game, you know, even a couple days after they find out uh, their family member has passed. But the guy gets a phone call on the way to the game, suits up in place. And I, I put this a little bit past game – or a little bit past Nurkic. I think it's the leadership and the, you know um, – team morale they have uh in the organization um and so he fought through it he had a heck of a first half a very good game and um in in all and um 
you could see uh, during dead balls, he was, you know, not into it. Like he was definitely feeling the pain. Um, if you look closely, just his body language. But, you know, I'm glad he pushed through it. I don't think we win that game without Nurk. Um, yeah, it's a tough loss for him. Right. And much respect, obviously, to the Bosnian Beast for being there and playing in that game. Totally understandable if he would have sat out, like you said. But he, he, toughed, through, he toughed through it and, uh, you know, helped the Blazers to a key, key victory to get them into the playoffs. Now... We are going to move into talking about game one. Game one, Dakota. Uh, Tuesday night, the Blazers took on the Los Angeles Lakers. What a game it was. Uh, you have the Blazers after the third quarter, or after the first quarter, excuse me, jump out to a 36-25 lead. They were playing lights out in the first quarter. Again, our guy Nurk actually had a double-double in the first quarter, 10 points and 10 rebounds, which is insane. He was just all over the place. And the Blazers, quiet first quarter from Dame, but they came out, and they came out looking like they were ready to play. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, he They did come out, you know, ready to play, but um, that game is – it's very weird. So the first quarter, I don't see Dame touch the ball for four possessions or five possessions uh, or look at the rim. The first play was drawn up for Wayne and Gabriel, and I like that to get him going – um, early. Um, so they need to get Wayne some confidence early because um, he was a guard in AD and that's tough. And it's his second ever start. So I, I like that play drop. And then Dane, you know, he has the most quiet 23 points in the first half. Um, it was crazy to see. We, we, I think we go up as much as 14 or 16 points uh, in the first half. And then uh, second quarter, uh, wasn't our thing. We couldn't get um, offensive rhythm going. And then, you know, we're up one at halftime. Moved to the third quarter. We, we played our best third quarter, like I said. Uh, the Blazers this year have had terrible third quarters. Dwight James has tweeted about it every night. Uh, Friend of the show. Yeah, he was on a couple weeks ago. What a great guy. He said, uh, he tweeted last night, will the Blazers – with a one-point lead, basically, I'm paraphrasing, be able to sustain their terrible third quarter coming. And, you know, no disrespect to Dwight, but the Blazers actually, you know, they had a great third quarter. Not great, good. Um, Great for the Blazers. And um, they come out um, out of halftime, and, you know, they're um, maintaining their lead. I think they were up two at the – End of is that right? Up two at the end of the third. I think they were up three, up three. at the end of the third. Yeah, up a few and yes. up a few, and then you know we played with them the first five minutes of the uh, third quarter. They got a lead up to uh, of the fourth quarter. Sorry, excuse me, um, of the fourth quarter, and uh, they had a lead of six. And then we flipped the switch a little bit, and you know what I what I saw of it is I told everyone in the room it's game time. You know, he's been – he had, like, 26 points at the time. And, it, you know, it's funny to have to say he's he's being quiet right now with 26 points. Most people would, you know, love to have 26 points in a basketball game. And I can't tell you, you know, in 12 years of playing basketball, I've ever had 26 points. But 
Dame flipped his, flipped his normal fourth quarter game time switch, hits a 30-footer, hits a 36-footer, hits some free throws, Blazers up, and then Melo gets going. And then Gary Trent, after hitting the side of the backboard two times, nails a three with the confidence he has had um, thus far in this bubble. And so that's just the Blazers pulling through and, you know, playing playing with each other. And I, I love to see it. How about you? What did you think about it, Lynn? Oh, I thought it was, a, it was an awesome win. I thought both teams looked pretty sloppy, especially in the second half. I mean, if you look at – Scoring totals for quarters, Blazers in the third quarter score 21, Lakers only put up 19, and then again in the fourth quarter, Blazers only score 22, and Lakers put up 18. The, the Lakers, here's the thing about the Lakers, right? And they have, they probably have two guys on their team that are arguably within the top seven, right? Top seven, maybe eight. I put LeBron definitely solidly in the top five players right now. To me, AD is probably right there at six, seven kind of in there. Uh, but look, so they have, they have obviously have some great talent and two awesome players. Aside from that though, I was not impressed by what the Lakers put out. They are a team and they're not necessarily a team that wants to shoot a bunch of three pointers or, or shoots a high percentage three pointers, but their three point shooting percentage was atrocious. Dakota, they were five for 32 from three point. That's a whopping 15% from three for that game. So, you know, if you watch the national media, that was kind of the story everyone talked about this morning was, wow, the Lakers, like Danny Green and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, like these guys got to hit some shots. They got to help out their team. I know Kuzma hit a few three-pointers, but even him, he was missing a lot of three-pointers. Uh, and, it, you know, it was it was just clank after clank after clank. The Blazers, on the other hand, they shot 38% from three, 13 to 34. So a different story for them, which – you know, that's not a great percentage from three, but when your opponent's only shooting 15%, it feels like it's a great percentage from three, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I thought I thought both both teams, though, they did look sloppy, uh, like I said, second half. Uh, free throws, there was another thing where somebody was saying, oh, like the Blazers shot so many free throws. Like, how were the Lakers supposed to win? When you look at actually total free throws that were shot, the Blazers shot 33 and made 25, and the Lakers shot 31 and made 20. So free throw disparity is right there, like basically spot on. The Blazers made five more than the Lakers, uh, so that's another area. But, yeah, I mean, the game in itself, if you look at the game stats, they're not all that different. Both teams, you know, uh, had high – had well, I should say the, the Blazers actually had a lot more turnovers than the Lakers, and the Lakers dominated in the paint. Uh, but total rebounding was fairly even, and assists were fairly even. So, you know, I, I really chalked this game up to the team that wanted it more went out, and they took it, and they executed when it mattered. And I really thought we saw playoff Dame, Dame time down the stretch. He lifts his opponent, or he lifts his teammates, I should say, to a different level down the stretch, instills confidence in them, knowing that he's going to be double teamed and encouraging them to take the shots and knock down the shots like we saw with Melo and Gary Trent. So, you know, I'm optimistic. I love the way that the game went, or I didn't, I did not love the way that the game went, but again, like we always say, a win is a win. And especially in a playoff series, whenever you can go one up, up one zero in a playoff series, uh, I think it's, it's, 
you know, you can't complain too much about that game. So, yeah, that so, is awesome. Uh, I want to ask you about the injury to Zach Collins. Now, Zach Collins did not play. I believe he has a – what do we have here? Is it a high ankle sprain? What's going on with Zach? Yeah, he has a high, high ankle sprain. Right. So, he did not play, and it actually – the news just broke. Uh, about an hour before we recorded this, that he's unlikely to play in games two, three, and four as well. So, you know, we like what we saw from Wenyan, but what do you think of this injury to Zach going forward and what effect might it have on the series and how it plays out? Yeah, so like like we've talked about before, you know, I've texted you this a million times. Is Zach Collins going to show up to Orlando or is he still back in Portland? And, you know... I love Zach Collins. He he's great for the Blazers. He's a young young weapon we have, and you know um, it's unfortunate, but I don't think he shows the hustle that Wendy and Gabriel. I think they both are on the same level of a foul, 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 foul. They love to foul people, and you know they're physical players. But I love the hustle that Gabriel shows. And um, I think this gives the opportunity of the more Hassan Whiteside, Yusuf Nurkic lineup that I like to see. And um, the one thing that we are going to miss is Zach stretching the floor. But, you know, we talked about Zach being a three-point shooter. We haven't seen him shoot the three at that high of a clip in Orlando. So, yeah, we're missing out uh, – a bench player or a starter. He started a few games. Maybe he would um, come off the bench, but um, in the future, but you know, we need all the players we can get the playoffs. um, The deepest team usually wins. So that's my take. Right. And so, yeah, I'm in agreements with that. I think to me, Zach, right. He's still young. He's still in his early twenties. You know, he's only been in the league for three years. So, you know, he is young. Keep that in mind. But for me, right, he just – he really doesn't have, like, a niche or he doesn't really have a redeeming quality. You know what I mean? Like, most players, you know, they might not be the best dribblers or they might not be the best passers or rebounders or whatever it might be. But they usually have one thing that they kind of start to develop and it kind of becomes their game, right, whether it's a 3 and D wing whether it's a distributor point guard, right, or a defensive player, defensive lockdown guy, a shot creator, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, to me, Collins, he really doesn't have anything. He's not, he's not terrible in any of the areas that he plays in, right? Uh, but he's just not good either. He's just kind of a mediocre guy who's out there right now. And, yeah, I was pretty frustrated with him in a lot of the play-in games. And the uh, in the end of the bubble games, I think, you know, to be a starter on this team, it's you got to have more than that. You got to be able to do something and bring something to the table rather than just fouling uh, and letting the ball slip through your hands on a consistent basis. Right. And so, you know, I love I love the energy Gabriel brings that. Obviously, he fouls a lot, too. I have a little more grace with him because he's still so young. Right. He's an undrafted rookie this year. So. You know, you can't expect him to just, like, all of a sudden be this all-star lockdown defender, whatever. But for Zach, I really have not been – I've been very underwhelmed with what I've seen from him uh, uh, this far. And but, but here's the thing, right? So I say all this, 
but I also want people to keep in mind that we had Hassan Whiteside, Yusuf Nurkic, and Carmelo Anthony, and Wendian Gabriel, all four of basically our post players, right? So our power forward or centers in that game had four fouls or more, right? I believe three of them, Whiteside, uh, Whiteside Gabriel, and Nurkic had five fouls each, right? And so that's not right. Obviously, that's kind of a rarity. But when you get in these situations where refs are just blowing the whistle like willy nilly, right, and you're starting to be limited on who you can play, you need another big body in there that you trust that can come in and basically at least knows the offense and at least can execute some things on defense, right? So that's the big takeaway I have with missing Zach is, you know, if we get in those games where Nurk has five or Hassan has five or Nurk gets three fouls in the first quarter, right? Uh, it is nice to have that extra body that you can put in and, and, and know that you're at least going to be okay at that point, at that spot. Yeah. And that brings us up to our next point. Lane, it's time to hash it out. I'm an Anthony Simons guy. You're a Mario Hazonia guy. I can't stand Mario Hazonia on the floor. You can't stand Anthony Simons on the floor. It's time to hash it out. Let's go. Well, so I'll just make my first point like this. And it basically is going to go off of my point I just made, especially with Zach Collins out. Mario, you know, he's not a post, right? He's not a... He's not a big physical player, but he is, I believe, 6'8". I think he's about 6'8", 6'7". So he's a bigger body, right? Uh, he doesn't play the post, but he is somebody who you can throw out there and kind of put him in power forward situations at times. Uh, so I think right now, you know, with a hurt Zach Collins, he's somebody that I think should be getting the minutes uh, and, and kind of going in and relieving guys from foul trouble in different situations. Now, if Zach Collins is healthy, right, and you don't need him for that, I still tend to fall in the, into the, the group that thinks that Mario is a better option to have out on the floor uh, than Anthony Simons. And I'll tell you why right here. Mario, while he does, uh, he does occasionally make some boneheaded plays, and for some reason he does think that every, like, five possessions – Whenever he bring the, brings the ball up, he just tries to go one-on-one and either hit a step-back three or drive all the way to the hoop, usually resulting in a miss uh, or an offensive foul, I should say. <laughs> uh, he, he also has had some really, really bright moments and some games where, you know, he hasn't been that bad. Whether, whether it's, you know, passing the ball or, or even getting rebounds, he had a nice block in the game on Danny Green. Or, not, excuse me, not Danny Green. Uh, in the Memphis game, he had a nice block which was awesome. Uh, and so, you know, to me, I think so far he's been more positive than negative. So now, Dakota, here's what I want from you. I would like to – you go ahead and you give me your ant's feel on, or spiel on why he should be in the game. And then I'm going to go ahead and rebuttal, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Go ahead. That's fine. You probably need a rebuttal after talking about Mario – like he's some superstar. I'm just kidding. I, I, I thought I thought your time I thought your points were valid. Um but here's my thing. Mario will will get into the game and you know he'll play there's one of two things. He'll play great and go score like nine straight points and you know make deep threes. Or he'll get in the game and you know two turnovers, two fouls in thir- in like a minute and a half. And so if we get the good Mario 
and I'm Carrie Stotts. Go get your nine points, Mario, and I'm pulling you before you do something stupid because, you know, it's just, it will happen. There's no if, but it's just when. When it will happen is the real question. So, Mario, go get – if you're hot, go get your points, play a little defense, get a couple, get a couple blocks, and come out, you know, um, before – because, you know, all in all, Mario's a very athletic player. and You know, he's good on the defensive end. But on the offensive end, uh, the reason I like Anthony is because most of the time when uh, Mario go in, uh, goes in, they want him handling the ball to get Dame a rest. And I like Simon's handling the ball better. He's always been a point guard. And so he has better ball handling and better decision making. And and what I like about Anthony is he's not gonna go go in there and you know jack shots up. He's he's gonna you know drive if possible and pop a three if it's open. But you know he's a little bit more timid, which I kind of like because Dame and CJ will get more shots. Okay. Well, I actually disagree with you there. I feel like whenever Anthony's in the game, I notice that he'll just walk the ball up and then he'll just take a deep contested three for, like, no reason. Or instead of running a play to its fruition, right, he'll be involved in a play, an off-ball screen or whatever, and he'll get the ball. Instead of running the play through, it seems like he'll try to make a move on his guy and take a deep contested step back three. And so for me, at least with Mario, right, to me Mario's bad plays or his bad decisions, uh, you know, at times, they're, they're really bad, right? I'm not going to hide that at all. But I do think that his bad decisions are sometimes less costly than Anthony's. And even though it's like for Mario, his bad decision, decisions can lead to like uh, a turnover, right? Uh, the thing about Anthony is with his shot and his trajectory of his shot, most of his shots, if you watch them, they come off the board and they come off the rim very high very long rebounds, which can lead to easy transitions. Yeah. Right. And so that's the thing with Anthony. I just, I don't trust him yet. He's still super young. And I just feel like he doesn't really have a great grasp of like what his role is or what he should be doing on the team. And again, I'm not, I'm not painting Mario as some angel right here. Right. I think he's obviously a player that, you know, he only played 12 minutes the last game. And I'm not saying I'm sitting here advocating for him to be, oh, Mario's got to play 40 minutes, right? He's our best player. Heck no, right? Mario, what he what he's getting right now for minutes is probably about what he deserves. But I just think if it comes down to the two of them, I'm always, I'm for right now, and I'm not saying I'm firmly planted in this camp, but for right now, I'm definitely team Mario. Uh, I think he is the safer option, and he's not going to do something uh, that's going to screw it up too much, right? Dakota, he he drew a uh, technical foul on our guy Dwight Howard within the first, like, two seconds of Dwight Howard being in the game, right? Yes. And so, you know, obviously it was a double tech, and you pointed this out to me, it's a double tech. But the thing is, is if Mario gets tossed, okay, it's not that big a deal, right? The Blazers are down a guy that plays 10 minutes a game. Whereas if Howard gets tossed, okay, well – you know, who do the Lakers have at backup center? And now JaVale McGee has to play the whole game. And, you know, obviously with as sloppy as a player he is, we all know how that could turn out. Yeah. It would be awesome for the Blazers. So, you know, that was my take. That's what I think. I don't know if you have anything else you want to address on that. This is probably the longest Blazers podcast ever that has talked about Mario Hazonia. 
or Anthony Simons to this point in their careers. So, you know, congratulations to us and our listeners for being part of this record that we just broke. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. What you got? Anything else on these these guys? No, this moves us to our next point. I'm kind of kind of over these two mediocre players. We can we can hash it out about something else later. But um, my next point is Blazers up one. You know this triggers LeBron. LeBron's a you know he's a player. He's never been booted in the first round. If you're Terry Stotts. What do you do game two, three, four, whatever it takes to become uh, to win? Well, I think that, you know, while the Lakers did shoot a really poor percentage from three, I don't think it was necessarily because of the Blazers stifling defense. Now, if you look at the Lakers shots, a lot of them were actually pretty wide open and pretty decent shots. They just weren't hitting them, right? And so, obviously, this is the kind of the tail of the tape on the Blazers so far is their three-point their three point defense percentage uh, is, has been atrocious. It's been one of the worst in the league, worse in the, probably the worst in the bubble, if not top five in the bubble since returning. So, I think you got to tighten it up. You can't just expect the Lakers to keep missing shots, even though they're not a huge three-point shooting team. I think that their shots will come around. So, you got to tighten up the three-point defense. That being said as well, Basically, the guys that are killing you right now are Anthony Davis and LeBron. And, you know, people have been trying to stop LeBron since he's been in the league, you know, since 2003 or 2002, whatever year. I think it was 2003 when he came in. The oh, league. three. People have been focused. Yeah, he, people have been focusing in on, in on him and how to stop him since he first got in the league. So it's not like it's something easy to figure out. Right. But I think that in his older age, I think he's in a more susceptible, susceptible state to wear him out. With double teams, I think that the more you can make him work on def- on the defensive end of the ball, I think the better. Uh, and if you look at the game, right, LeBron, though he did have a crazy triple-double, right, which is insane because it felt like he didn't even really do that much, but he had a, this crazy triple-double. He took a lot of breaks as well. He, there was a lot, a big portion of the first quarter and the third quarter where he found himself on the bench taking a breather. So I think if you can wear LeBron out, make him tired, make him work for everything, send some double teams at him, uh, that's going to be a big key. And then I like how they defended Anthony Davis. Obviously, you know, there was a lot of foul calls. Our big guys were in huge foul trouble. Uh, But I think that more often than not, we were in good position to defend against him. Boxing him out, he's a huge offensive rebound putback guy, so boxing him out is going to be huge going down the stretch. So for me, most of the things the Blazers need to clean up are on the defensive end. Uh, you know, offensively, not a great game, but the Blazers do have the best offense in the bubble since returning. So I'm not too concerned that they will have another offensive game like this. My big concern is just don't let the Lakers get going, uh, you know, and become the offensive team that they really, really aren't, but that they can become if you're not going to be there to at least play a little bit of defense. What do you think? What is, what do you think's the key going forward? Yes. Um, that, you know, the big key is you nailed it right in the head. AD and LeBron. You know, I can have LeBron or AD go off. I can have one of them, not both of them. I can have one of them because, like my, you know, my hero, I guess you could call him, Charles Charles Barkley after what he said last <laughs> night. He's my hero. After what he said is <laughs> – Blazers are better in every single category except 
for LeBron James and AD. We have better guards, which is true. We have a better center, which is true. We have a better bench. Usually, if Gary Trent shows up, that's true. So, I feel like we can have one of, you know, LeBron will go off. That's fine. He'll go off. We have to limit AD to under 20, uh, I'll say under 25, and LeBron under 30, and I think we have the game sealed up. Hmm. Okay, so for you, it is, it's on the defensive end as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I like that. I think that, you know, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is not going to beat you in a seven-game series, right? Mm-hmm. Manny Green, though he is an excellent shooter, and I would love to get him in a Portland uniform, especially with this team. He's not a guy that's going to beat you in a seven-game series. It's going to come down to LeBron, AD, uh, and, and what they can bring to the table for this Laker team to win. So with that, Dakota, let me get your prediction for how this series is going to play out. Let's go ahead and we'll go game two tomorrow night. Uh, actually, I should say tonight as we're going to release this on Thursday. Uh, what do you have? Who do you think is going to win tonight? What do you think the score is going to be? And let's just see how close we can get. And, and we'll see. We'll maybe put a little friendly wager on it. What do you say? Yeah, that's fine. So let's – well, let me just bring up in the, um, in the you know, most modest manner. You asked me – you asked me uh, what were going to be the Blazers' last six games, um, how many wins. And I said five and one with the loss to the Clippers. So I, I nailed that one. I got I to tap, right. tap myself on the back for that one. So – I've little, yes, I've congratulations. Little, I've a little momentum moving into this prediction. Um, so let me think here. Let me think. So it's 93 to 100. I think we go 114, 107 Blazers. 114, 107 Blazers. Okay. You think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring? So I'm going to put you. We're going we're gonna to mark this down because I know our listeners are going to hold us to this. So for you, 114-107, I'm going to say this. You know, you're much more of an optimistic than I am. I think that our listeners can kind of gauge that, and I definitely have gauged that from our conversations via text uh, and talks during games. I think the Blazers lose. I think they lose game two. Uh, I think it's going to be close, but not too close. I'm going to go ahead and say the Lakers are going to start hitting their shots. And they're going to win 110 to 101. So we're going to mark that down. I'm writing it down as we go. So game two. So in my opinion, series will be tied for you know. Game three, what do you got? Give me a prediction for game three. Actually, you know what? Should we do that or should we just stay at one game at a time? Actually, you know what? We record once a week. It's fine. We'll go game three. Give me a prediction for game three. You know, this is a shot in the dark because I have no clue what will happen in game two. LeBron could, you know, you never wish this upon someone. Of course, LeBron could get hurt. Anthony Davis could get hurt. You know, so, whoa, whoa, okay, okay. something like that. Or, you know, something, you know, there could be a big brawl and some people are suspended. So that's a little bit more uh, a nicer way to say it. you can't predict what's going to happen. Um two games ahead but let's just say Blazers win 114 107 you know my momentum is you know really good after two straight predictions and a third game I'm guessing it would be 
a little closer. So 109, 106 Blazers. Wow. So you got the Blazers going up three games to nothing. Wow. You are really sipping that Blazer Kool-Aid right now. And you're feeling good. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say, you know what? Blaze, for, so for me, Blazers are going to lose game two. I think they're going to come back. They're going to win game three. It's their first home game of the series, right? So we'll have the Fred Meyer logos. <laughs> and we'll have, the, you know, the uh, – what else do we got? Like the Moda Center logos on the court as well. So I'm going to go ahead. I think the Blazers are going to be inspired by their home court in that game. And I think this one's going to be a blowout. I'm going to have them – Blazers are going to go 120. And I have the Lakers barely getting over 100 at 103. So I think that one's going to be a little bit more of a blowout. Uh, let's see. You know what? We might as well because we're probably not going to get to this one as well. Let's just go even more shot in the dark, right? You could say that an arrow in a snowstorm here. Uh, let's go ahead and go game four. What do you got? I don't see the Blazers sweeping them. I see a Blazers win in five or six. Uh because LeBron, you know, it's LeBron James, one of the greatest of all time. He does not get swept. Uh, I love Charles Barkley, what he said, but I hope it happens, but I don't think it will. So let's say Lakers win game four. I see a little bit lower scoring, you know, like like game uh, one. So let's go 97-104 Lakers. 97-104 Lakers. Okay. I'm going to go ahead, and I think the series is going to be evened up in game four. And I think it's going to be a close game as well. I'm going to say I'm going to go 109 to 106 Lakers okay. in game four. We'll go ahead and stop right there. Uh, and, you know, obviously, best-case scenario, Blazers win all four or all three upcoming. And the next time we see you guys all uh, or talk to you guys all, we'll be celebrating a first-round victory. That would be awesome. I don't think it's going to happen. Dakota probably thinks it might happen. He just doesn't want to say it. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, And, yeah, so going forward, these are the predictions we have. Game two, Dakota says 114-107 Blazers victory. I say the Blazers are going to lose 110-101. Game three, Dakota has the Blazers winning again, 109-106. And I have the Blazers uh, winning that game, 102-103 in a blowout fashion. Game four, Dakota said the Lakers are not going to get swept. They're going to win that one, 104-97. And I have the Lakers winning game four as well, 109-106. One quick thing I think we should discuss, and then I think after that we're probably out of topics. But uh, if – If Damian Lillard, let's just go hypothetical mode here, right? If Damian Lillard sweeps LeBron James in a first-round playoff series, does he automatically become the greatest Portland Trailblazer of all time? I think he is the greatest Portland Trailblazer of all time. Uh, Him and Clyde, um, I think today's game, uh, the way – has evolved is a little bit uh you know back then it was much more physical today it's evolved to a lot more uh a lot more shooting so um i think the art in the game is tougher today uh to master so damien has a tougher art to master more work therefore i think damien's uh the greatest blazer of all time if he continues this 
I think him and him and him and Clyde the Glide are very close right now. I think get over this hump, win you know one more playoff series. He is the greatest of all time. But if he wins, if he sweeps LeBron James, he will in be this playoff series and averages let's just say over thirty points. Is he unquestionably the greatest Portland Trailblazer of all time? Yes, he is. Wow. Big, big words there from Dak. You heard it here first. We'll see. I hope it happens, and I hope that we can be crowning Damian Lillard the greatest Blazer of all time by the next next time we talk to you all next week. So with that, that's our show. Thank you guys all for listening. Uh, you know, Don't forget, our show is now on Apple Podcasts, so go ahead and check us out there. You can look us up at 77pod. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y dash 7pod on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify as well. Go ahead and follow us on social media at 77pod. Like I said, S-E-V-E-N-T-Y and then the number 7 pod on uh, social media, Twitter and Instagram. Hit us up there. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Uh, in, in you know, tweet at us during games. We love it. We get these debates and, and Twitter arguments during games. I absolutely love it. So, Laser Trader, Twitter, we got to keep bringing it. Let's keep going. Go hard for game two tonight. See you guys all next week. Take care and have a great rest of your week.